0: The story of Christmas is the story of a king landing, you might say, in disguise. And he has called us to be a part of his great campaign of sabotage against the enemy. We're establishing the kingdom of God on earth. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Well, today I want to continue our series on Jesus, speaking about his life, his ministry, and evaluating our lives and our families and our ministries in light of him. And today I want to look at this aspect of who Jesus is, Jesus, the king. Turn to your neighbor and say, the king. Turn to your other neighbor and say, the king of kings. Matthew chapter two, verse one says this. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king? King of the Jews. For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Today I wanna speak to you about the kingship of Christ. And my hope is that we would recognize the sovereignty of Christ and realize our role in his kingdom. That we are citizens of a kingdom that Jesus is the king of. And because of that, we have benefits of citizenship within his kingdom. And the reason I want to speak on this subject is because on the day that we look at the child, I want you to know this. He was born king. And I think sometimes we can allow a diminutive approach to Jesus on Christmas. And maybe it comes from Talladega Nights where we just think, oh, sweet baby Jesus. But I want you to know, even though he was a sweet baby, he was the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Master of the Universe, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. The whole universe held in that manger. It was astonishing and stunning at the brightness of his coming. He was born King. And he reigned even in that major. What kind of a king is this? That he would come so quietly, so simply, in a way that is not filled with pomp or display. The humility that Christ showed in coming at all is amazing. But even more than that, that he came in such a way that he came. That's why That stable held the greatest thing that any house, temple, or church has ever held. It held the master of the universe within it. He is a mighty God. Even as a child, he's the king of kings. And today I want to look at three qualities of a king. Three different aspects of a king. Three points on kingship. These are qualities of kingship. The first is every king is a king by birth. A king... Is a king by birth the bible says that jesus was born king he unlike presidents was not elected unlike prime ministers not appointed because see kingship runs through the bloodline it runs through the bloodline so when he was born he had the blood of a king in his veins when King Charles became king on the, on the night that his mother passed away, Queen Elizabeth, the longest reigning monarch. When she died, King Charles instantly became king. I had to look up his name like 20 minutes ago because I thought it was Philip or George. I don't know. We, I stopped caring about kings in 1776, baby. But... <laughs> so I have to, I, you know, I got to do a lot of research for this sermon, you know. So King... Uh, Charles, he became king, not because he was appointed or elected, he just had it in his blood, because the authority comes through the bloodline. And when, when he became king, when they crowned him, they crowned him in front of the population at the king's proclamation, in front of all of the people, they, they anointed him king, but they didn't appoint him king, they recognized what he already was. And, you know, in that moment, you know, there was a guy out in the crowd and he yelled out, who elected him? You know, I I imagine it sounded more like, hey, I elected him, you know, something like that, you know. And then they arrested that guy instantly for disorderly conduct. This is true. This is true. Do you know why they arrested that guy? Because that guy, uh, he was a subject. And see, kings have subjects. So you have to understand that a king is king by birth. And a king comes to establish a kingdom. And that's what God came to do. He came to establish a kingdom. The second quality of kingship is number two, a king has a kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. In an earthly kingdom, you are born a subject. But in the kingdom of God, you choose to be a subject. When that man yelled out, hey, who elected him, he realized very quickly that in England, you are a subject. We don't understand that because we live in America and we have so much freedom. We can't even understand kind of this kind of mentality. But but the reality is what God came to establish was a kingdom. So we, we do have to understand it. Jesus says this, that unless one is born again, he cannot see or be a part of the kingdom of God. So If you want to be a part of the kingdom of a great king, you must be born again. You have to be born into that kingdom. you got to be born into that kingdom. Citizenship in heaven, it's a choice made on earth. It's a choice that you say, I recognize him as my king. I recognize him as my authority. I recognize him as my master and I choose his kingdom. And God says, when that happens, you become born again and you get born into a different way, a different walk, a different empire, a different reign, a different authority. You get born into a different kingdom. And in that moment, you become a subject. Kierkegaard says this, He says science and scholarship want to teach that becoming objective is the way. Christianity teaches that the way is to become subjective, to become a subject. He is a king. He has a kingdom. And our choice is to become a subject of that king and a subject in that kingdom. In other words, we acknowledge that he is greater than us. We acknowledge that he is the one born king. See, when the, when the wise men sought out the king, when they sought out Jesus, when they were following his star, they, they show up in Jerusalem and they ask this question, where is the one born king? And the Bible says that uh, that troubled all of Jerusalem. It threw it into an uproar. Everyone got nervous. Why? Well, because they had a king and his name was Herod. But do you know Herod was a puppet on the strings of Rome? And more than that, do you know he was Idumean which means he was of the seed of Esau. He wasn't even, he wasn't even uh, an Israeli by birth. He wasn't even Jewish by birth. And how did he rule? He ruled through the fists, through strength, through tyranny, through bribes, through power, through fear. And this is how he maintained his kingdom. But the wise men showed up and they said, we're searching for the one born king. And everyone got nervous because they said, we got a king and he's not gonna like this language. But the reality is, Herod was a false king, Jesus is the real king. He was born king, not made king. And he did not receive his authority from any human empire. He came to establish a brand new empire, a brand new kingdom. And he does not rule through fear and he does not rule through terror and he does not rule through through coercion. He rules by freedom, by choice, by people who willingly accept him as king. One man said to Napoleon, they said, uh, they, they likened his kingdom, his empire to the one Jesus built. And Napoleon said, absolutely not. Jesus was no mere man, not like myself. He said, I, Charlemagne, Caesar, we built our kingdoms through sheer But Jesus built his kingdom through love, and at this day and this hour, millions would willingly lay down their lives for his kingdom. Jesus was a different kind of king, and he wasn't an Idumean, he was of the seed of Jacob, not Esau, so that he could fulfill all of the prophecies and bring people back towards him. He's a king, he has a kingdom. And we choose to become subjects to his kingdom. And I've got good news for you today. When you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, you get the benefits that come alongside of citizenship. Maybe some of you here have taken those tests, and you've sworn allegiance to America. Maybe you weren't born here, and you made that choice. But in that moment, when you become a citizen of America, you get the benefits of citizenship in America. But do you know there's a greater kingdom, and a greater swearing-in ceremony, where you say, I choose to lay down my life for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God recognizes you in that moment. When you recognize Him, He recognizes you. And he says, now you're a part of my kingdom. And let me tell you what those benefits are. David knew them. And he says, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Forget not all his benefits. I love that phrase. I hope that phrase follows you on Tuesday and Thursday and next year and next month. That, you, that phrase comes back to you. Remember, forget not all his benefits. Well, what are the benefits of citizenship in his kingdom? Well, David says, he forgives all your iniquity, all of your sin, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. What are the benefits? What are the benefits? The benefits are that he forgives, he heals, he redeems, and he crowns. How can he crown you? Because he's the king and he has the crown. And by his authority, he gets to choose who he gives authority to. He can crown because he's king. Which brings me to the third aspect of kingship. A king commands authority. A king is a king by birth. A king has a kingdom and a king commands authority. There's a story of a time where Jesus was in Capernaum and, and some of the religious leaders came up to him and they said, they interceded on behalf of a Roman centurion. And they said, Lord, will you do this, uh, this good deed for this man? His servant is sick. His servant is sick and will you go heal him? The centurion walks up. Jesus says, I will. The centurion walks up to him and he, in thanking him, he says to Jesus, But you don't have to go to my house. You know the story? Because if he went to his house, it would have been unclean you know, between the Jewish and the Gentile. But the, 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 the servant says, I don't even need, I don't even need for you to come to my house. He says, All I need for you to do, Jesus, is say the word. The phrase in the Bible is just say the word. What was he doing? He was recognizing the authority of a king. And he understood that his, the boundaries of his kingdom were supernatural, not physical, and wherever his word went, it accomplished, because the word never returns void. He recognized the authority on God. I mean, this is an amazing thing because most of the religious scholars didn't recognize it. At this point, his family didn't recognize it. Most of the people didn't recognize it. But here's this man, a centurion, one that's not even one of the chosen ones. And he recognizes, hey, that's a king. How did he do it? See, he knew what authority looked like. This was a man who would have seen and served under leaders, great generals. He saw their stature and their walk and what was on them. And when he saw it on them, he could recognize it on Jesus. This was a man that most likely was in battle and heard the shouts of the command of of those that were above him in the midst of war, and he obeyed, and he understood the power of that command. This was a centurion that most likely served in Rome, saluted governors, saluted senators, maybe even saw Caesar himself, And when he saw Jesus walking through that city, he recognized authority. He says, you're a king, I can tell. And he says, I understand how authority works. I don't need you to do it yourself because you're in charge. Just give the word, give the word and it will be done. Jesus is blown away by this faith, faith that flows. Catch this, faith that flows from a recognition of God's authority. If you want greater faith, have greater recognition of the kingship of God. Jesus is amazed by this and he says, you're onto something. You got something that most of Israel doesn't even recognize. You recognized my sovereignty. If God says it, it gets done. And Jesus says this to us. He says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, now you go. What is Jesus saying? He says, I've got all the authority, but now I'm gonna give you a portion of authority. You and I, we are Christ's ambassadors. When we walk into the world, we've got the backing of a king, we've got the backing of a kingdom, and we've got backing of the very word of God. I pray that you pray from that perspective, that you are praying to a king of kings and a Lord of lords. Please hear me, God is not just a helper and he's not just a friend. On this very day, in this very hour, he is seated on the throne room of heaven. And he, with righteousness, he judges and makes war. He is a great, great king and I pray that we fear God like that that he is great and he is holy and he is mighty I hope that affects our prayer life that when we ask we don't ask small and little we don't serve a governor we don't serve a senator we don't serve a president we don't serve a prime minister we serve a king of all kings a lord of all lords a god over all little gods so when you pray pray from that assurance that he is sovereign and when he says it it's done it's done. And so the, 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 the centurion says, say the command because I know that the universe obeys your command. The sun stands still at your command. The seas become still at your command and your word is enough. And so I pray that we get that revelation that, yes, he's a child in the manger, but he's still king. And he came to do the mightiest work. And even in that manger as that child, he's the king that hears, he's the king that rules, and he's the king that answers. And I I believe if we get a new view of Christ's authority, it will change how we live as Christians. We're citizens of a great kingdom ruled by a mighty king. Can you say amen? How many are thankful that he chose to come to earth to establish a mighty kingdom? And we get to be a part of it. I'll close with this quote, I'm gonna paraphrase it, but great C.S. Lewis said, the story of Christmas is the story of a king landing, you might say, in disguise. And he has called us to be a part of his great campaign of sabotage against the enemy. That's what we're doing. We're establishing the kingdom of of God on earth. And we're doing it here in Smithfield, but all over the earth, there's little outposts of the king of kings all over the earth. And I believe that when he comes back, those that have been holding the line, we will see him in all of his glory, in his kingship, with a robe and a crown. And we won't just see the child in the manger. We will see the God who became man, who has always been the king. And we will see him in might as a ruler over all people. And that, in that moment, we'll realize what we've been a part of all this time. We've been part of a mighty kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. Today, we recognize the sovereignty of God. And I pray that we realize our role in his mighty kingdom. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.